Welcome to Engage Your Tribe, a podcast about the art and science of audience engagement. I'm Jeremy Shear, founder and CEO of Tribal Knowledge Podcasting, and my guest is Charlie Horning, VP of Marketing and Sales at Rootstrap, a digital agency with a digital agency with a focus on engineering. Charlie, hello, it's good to see you. It's great to see you too, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. So let's get right into it. So you market your services to a pretty wide range of clients and decision makers, engineering managers and CTOs, as well as VPs of marketing and CMOs. So in other words, some buyers who are very steeped in tech and others who aren't as steeped in tech. So my question is, how do you calibrate your messaging and your outreach when you're trying to engage, say, a tech-savvy buyer as opposed to a non-tech-savvy buyer? I think the key, and it and it definitely has, you've described it well, it has changed dramatically over the years in our industry where it went from really the CTOs, VP of engineering's to now the decision is, is a variable across different decision makers in what organization we're looking at. So the first thing we do is, such as you, as you mentioned, we try to identify, is this a technical buyer, a non-technical buyer? But Either way, we're really trying to get at what is the root cause of why they want to build something. If they want to build an application, what's their goal? What's the definition of success? How are they going to use this? Try to ask some anxiety questions as well in a nice and professional way where you ask, you know, what is it going to mean to them if this application is successful? Or what's it going to mean if this initiative is not successful? You'll find out real quickly if you're working on what we like to call mission critical work. Obviously, our goal, like everyone's, is to kind of make that bridge from a vendor to a partner. And we want to start with that type of messaging right away. So we, we want them to really understand we truly do care. We're not just here to build something for them, send them in a bill, and be on our way. We are definitely a long-term focused company, and we're really trying to get to the root cause of what we're doing. And we want to share that with our whole team. We actually don't want uh, developers to just write code. We actually want them to understand the problem that they're solving. A better designer, a better product owner, a better developer, whoever we have on the on the project. Okay, that makes perfect sense. I mean, whether the buyer is a, a technical person or a non-technical person, they in, on, on some level, they still care about the, the, the same things. But their knowledge is pretty yeah. different, and the kind of language they speak day-to-day is, is pretty different, right? So... I would imagine that this has a pretty big impact on the way that you talk to these people. Is am I on the right track? Absolutely. And you know, a lot of te- a lot of teams and companies will use different personas and they kind of make them up. What I like to do with our team is make it a little bit more personal. And so I will give them examples of people that, you know, selfishly I'll use my own mother. She was extremely smart, but her career was in banking. She is not a technical person. She would not understand the difference between JavaScript languages or backend languages or anything like that, or even different design aspects. Um, maybe she doesn't understand agile methodology, but we can explain to her using modern technologies may help her avoid technical debt in the future because she's going to understand labor costs. She's going to understand maintenance costs. She's going to understand that she wants to build something that might interact with her clients, whether those clients are B2C, and she's going to have a very broad you know spectrum of who she's interviewing or, or interacting with or is it b2b and it's a pretty focused audience those are different needs and those are different 
solutions. And so we want to make sure that we take her down a road that she feels comfortable. It's still the same communication. We want to keep her involved. But instead of talking about code structure or you know, what we're doing as we build a tech stack, we're talking a little bit more about the roadmap. Here's where we currently are. Here's where we're going. So she can see progress as our, as our customer. Okay, so it sounds like that was sort of the next question I was going to ask is when, how do you talk to a non-technical person about a very technical topic? And I think what I'm hearing you say is that you, you find a way with avoiding the jargon that they probably wouldn't know to make it relevant to their world. It seems to me to, to, to be what you're saying. Like, what would be an example? You use your mom. <laughs> Let's say it's yeah. not your mom. Let's say it's like a typical you know, a typical person you might be talking to, like a VP of marketing. And, but, but your well, offering involves some technical stuff. So how do you position it so that you can really connect with that person? The first thing I think is to actually make sure that the information we're getting from our team, that they understand the conversation we're going to have. So typically in our world, so I have, I have three different teams. I have an engineering team, I have a design team, I have a product strategy team. It never fails that an engineer will come to me and say, hey, I'd really like to do our next project in whatever the new language is. Let's say they want to do it in Vue.js instead of React.js or whatever. Many times, especially with a non-technical buyer, your buyer kind of doesn't care. And so what I want to do is have that engineer tell me, okay, we don't just want to do a new language because it's cool, because we like it, because it'll be fun. Sure, that's all great. But what is the actual benefit to your... Is there less technical debt? Is there less maintenance? Is there a good community that is being brought up around this technology? And so in the future, if they need to supply in-house labor or in-house knowledge and don't want to use a vendor, it gives them options. Once you start getting your internal team to start thinking that way, team that are the, the, the teams that are not in sales, the teams that are in delivery, the teams that are in project management, product strategy, you're going to have a much deeper conversation about what that solution is. Not only in the short term, hey, we're going to get this application done. We're going to have it done by the date you want. You're going to be happy with it. It's going to work. The design's going to be good. But in the future, they're going to feel like they have a good partner. And that's how, you know, we've been very fortunate. We've been able to bridge that gap multiple times. And we've had a lot of clients that are long term. But if you're not looking at that through that lens, then you're not really identifying the personal value of your buyer. They're, you're not really understanding what it means to them to pick somebody good. When they pick you, they're putting their neck on the line for you. And if you're just looking at the actual kind of the, in, you know, you're not really looking at all the intrinsic value. If you're just looking at like, hey, we're going to do this application and it's going to mean X amount of dollars to the company. Sure, that's very important and very true. But what are the other variables that go along with that? What's that personal value you know, go with her. So if you can teach your internal team a little bit about that, it'll help significantly with those scenarios. Okay. So to switch gears a little bit, you know, you guys yeah. have a significant presence in presence in South America and you do a yeah. lot of recruiting there. And when we talked a few weeks back, you told me that one of the tools you use to recruit is podcasting. You have a podcast yeah. that gets the word out about careers and jobs and stuff like that. So, so why do you use podcasting to do that? You know, listen, this is not going to be a surprise to many people in many different industries, whether you're in the restaurant industry right now, whether you're in technology, whether you're in manufacturing or logistics or shipping or whatever, labor, and you need to present your company and what you do and your culture to the masses. 
And you have to actually understand that when really how we got to podcasting and even using other forms that I'll, I'll kind of mention here on how to recruit is some of it came from our sales and marketing. So it started with us trying to reach out to clients, but also understanding, let's say that we were speaking at a conference. Let's say that we were in a, you know, in this day and age, we may be an in-person, but more than likely we're going to be in a virtual conference. We also may be doing panels. We do a lot of panels for different organizations, either internal for internal learning for customers. We talk to a lot of private equity and VC firms. We do some auditing for them before they make investments. Every one of those interactions, you're actually putting your brand out there as well. And so if I'm on a panel and I'm talking to you about what our company does in the AI and machine learning space, you might be very impressed by our approach. You might be impressed because We've done some projects. We've done really well. We've done some work in fintech and healthcare and all that type of stuff. That's all well and good. But the second part of that is, did you get a feel for our culture? Did you get a feel for how our management is supportive? Did you get a feel for who our company actually is? Because the reality is, if you didn't, we kind of we, we missed an opportunity there. And so what we started realizing was, maybe we should be doing different types of media, not only for branding, but it helps us recruit. Every time you do a recruiting podcast, you're also doing a sales podcast. Every time you do a sales podcast, you're also doing a recruiting podcast. If you look at it through one lens, you're missing an opportunity there. And you're missing an opportunity to tell people how great your culture is, how you support your employees, and how, how you, you know, that's one of your biggest differentiators when it comes to both customers and employees. You're really constantly recruiting. You're recruiting customers and you're recruiting employees, in the, especially in the professional services world. So, of course, you're not using only podcasting to do this. You have other ways of getting right, the word right. out about opportunities and so on. But what is it about doing a podcast that you think adds something valuable to that, to that effort? Well, I think a podcast does a number of things. It's, it's a different type of media in regards to it can be very consumable. It can be consumable on your if – if it's a live feed, it can, be, it can be a really nice break for somebody in their, in their day. If it's a recording like we're doing today, um, I can you know you can send this out to your audience, Jeremy, and they can pause it. They can do it when they w- want to do it. They can watch it when they want to watch it. It's not time stamped, and so that's that's a huge advantage. It's also a little bit more interactive. If it's a live feed, they can ask questions. If not, they can email back to a podcast, and they'll get a response back from the um, person who's running the podcast. When we do them internally, we can go real deep. And we can do, uh, have it very focused on, hey, here's how we're using Node.js differently on the back end. Here's how we're using different types of cross-platform uh, mobile technologies that maybe we're not happy with. Maybe we've gone a different route than other people have. You know, in, in that world, people are going to be very, very interested in hearing that technical knowledge. But that's also a great recruiting tool. And so you can go a little bit deeper in a podcast. It doesn't have to be a 47-page white paper. You can cover the topics a little bit more interactively and you're going to get a little bit more exposure is what we found so far. Now, certain topics, you're going to go real deep. It's not going to be a ton of exposure. It's going to be very focused for a lot of people. Other podcast topics, as you're well aware, you go more broad, you're going to get a, uh, a larger audience, maybe not as deep in knowledge or deep as interaction. And that's kind of the balance you have to play. 
Yeah, it sort of depends what your goal is for a given episode or for the podcast right. as a whole. You know, one thing that, that I really like about what you're doing with podcasting, and one thing that I like about podcasting generally for that kind of purpose is that it's conversational in nature. Just like we're yeah. doing right now, we're having a conversation, a back and forth it's a little bit right. scripted. You know, I wrote down the questions you and I talked before sure. to kind of agree what to talk about. But other than that, you know, I'm not sure what you're exactly about to say. And you're not sure what I, you know, it's a real conversation with the kind of spontaneity that you tend to get there. And I think that that's when that's done well, it can be uniquely engaging, certainly more engaging than like a typical 20 page white paper. You know, yeah. not to not to trash white papers, they can be really useful, but it's just different. And, you know, arguably just a little more entertaining, a little more engaging, depending on your audience. Yeah. And I also think that, listen, if you're recruiting right now, you have a lot in common with the sales counterpart at your company. You're really selling value. Here's our company. Here's who we are. Here's why we're good. Here's why our culture is good. Our management is supportive. Here's a place not just with a job, it's a place to build a career. It's really the same, the same thing on the sales side in regards to there probably has never been a tougher time in the last hundred years to get your message across because there is more noise than there ever has been. I'm not sure how many junk emails you get per day or how many spam phone calls you get, but I get a million. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that is just not, you know, when I started my sales career, I could open up a phone book and smile and dial. And to be honest with you, a lot of people didn't like that job, but I loved it. It was fun. And honestly, it wasn't that hard. Today, if you really want to have a value discussion, both for recruiting or for sales, you need to figure out how to get your message across and what is your differentiator. You know, more more, I truly believe that more, more than any time in history, that is, this is the toughest problem to solve. And I think podcasting will sit you aside a little bit. Those emails, LinkedIn messages, you have no idea if the person you're connected to or your friend is connected to, did they meet them at a conference 10 years ago or were they in their wedding? You have mm -hmm. no idea. Yeah. I mean, you make a good point. It's, it's an interesting time we live in. On the one hand, there are more ways than ever to get your message out, more channels, right? right? I mean, you can get it out to, you know, everyone online, at least you can try. But at the same time, because yeah. it's so easy to do that, everybody's doing it. So there's just, as you yeah. said, more noise out there, which presents the, the, the challenge of how do you cut through? How do you cut right. through? And, you know, I've always felt like in some ways it's not that complicated. It comes down to really knowing your audience and really caring about them enough to take time to make your messaging resonate with them, to, to publish stuff that actually has meaning and value and not just spewing stuff out there just to get attention. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree with you 100%. You know, I always try to educate our team, and I think our team does a wonderful job of understanding. Give, the, give your prospect or give your client the benefit of the doubt. They could have went to your website and read all your beautiful case studies they probably got to you somehow, either through a referral, through something they saw that, that piqued their interest. But really try to identify and care. Why are they talking to you right now? Is, it a, or is there a tactical reason in regards to we deal with a lot of industries that previous experience means a lot? If we can show all the case studies we've done in healthcare, they know we've done HIPAA-compliant work. 
If they understand that we've done a lot of fintech work, they understand that we are used to those type of regulations that financial companies come across. Those are more technical and tactical um, reasons where you can continue a conversation and let your customer know that you really care about what they're dealing with as well as the environment they're dealing with it. In the, the more strategic discussions, you're going to be talking more about, you know, what is the actual success rate? So you can show how, like here at Rootstrap, we're extremely fortunate. We have a lot of low turnover. We've had low turnover for the last 10 years. Now, everybody has a little bit of turnover right now, but industry-wide, we are way below everyone else. That's a big deal to a customer who has dealt with vendors. They're looking for continuity. They're looking for vendors who are going to back up their claims. So in many cases, we can get down to either fixed bidding a project or we can have a very tight not-to-exceed budget. A lot of people in our industry won't do that, so it's a big differentiator. So one of the things we try to do is identify for our buyer what means the most to them right now, what's going to get us to the next step, and how can we start building trust really from the first discussion. And we, we need it to be very transparent, very honest, and be able to back it up. And then that's something that our ownership always has to, to own and to understand that we need. You know, If we're going to do machine learning, which is a lot of new stuff, and we're going to do it for a big enterprise company, there's going to be a lot of people affected if we're successful. There's a lot of people affected if we're not successful. So what can we do to help that help that buyer really from the first discussion? Don't show them another 12 case studies. They've, they've seen that. You know, they're, they, they're talking to you because they've already bridged that gap. So try to get into their head right away. And then encourage your team to try to get into their head. What does it mean if this is successful? That helps a lot. Great. Well, Charlie, thank you so much for a great conversation. There's so much more we could talk about, but I don't want to take any more of your valuable time. So thanks so much for sharing those insights. Really great stuff and uh, great to chat. Excellent. Thanks a lot for the opportunity, Jeremy, and uh, I'll be talking to you soon. That's it for this episode of Engage Your Tribe. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. You know you want to. If you're a marketer or an internal communicator and you're interested in podcasting, we've got tons of free resources on the website at tribknowledge.com. That's T-R-I-B knowledge.com. Thanks for listening and staying engaged.